Last time on Video Night. Uh-oh, I ruined it. And now... Video Night! Hello, Michael. Hey, what's going on? Wow, 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 wow. That's the kit noise for you. Right, okay, thank you. Yeah. Well, how that's silly a, can you that, get? That's a reference, right? So... <laughs> Basically, we're a spoof show. Like what we're about to talk about is spoofs, parody spoofs. You know what's funny? What? The side note: I just found out that the stunts that they would do in Knight Rider, uh, when the car was driving without Hasselhoff, was a guy in a suit that looked like a chair seat with a little slit so he could see through it, and that's how he drove. He kept his hands at the bottom of the wheel. Oh, okay. Interesting. Again, no, 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 not really. No, but that's fine. <laughs> not. I thought that was interesting. <laughs> Screw you, buddy. <laughs> I quit. All right, get out of here. Get the other Michael in here. So, uh, so parody movies are they a thing that you really, really like, or are they not a thing that you really, I did. really like? You did. If it's ba- there's a chunk where it was primo, and then all of a sudden it hit a wall, and then just started sliding down it like a rotten egg. So I think the the wall that it hit was 1990 with Repossessed, Leslie Nielsen parody. No, there's awful ones before that. There was Night Patrol, which is god-awful. There's all those horror parodies that were so popular. I know people love student bodies. I, I remember it being okay. Yeah, But like, what was okay. there? There was, there was like five or six of them all at the same time. I think I might be exaggerating a little bit. There's like Pandemonium, right. uh, Hysteria, uh, Wacko. Uh, the Saturday the 14th. Oh, Saturday the 14th. I totally forgot about that one. And yeah. the sequel. And, and Saturday the 14th probably the better one. Yeah, I never saw the sequel. Neither but, um, It's because there was parody movies. You know, Mel Brooks basically started that trend. And there's a few that kind of came along. Well, the Kentucky, really Kentucky Fried movie is uh, one that was like a like a skit thing parodying Yeah, it's more genres, of a sketch, which I don't but, count the same. But they still yeah. did like movie genres within those skits and then commercials between them. So it was like... And I saw also this uh, Chevy Chase thing called The Boob Tube or whatever. Yeah. The, the Groove Tube, I think. The Groove Tube. That's what it is. There, yeah, there's a few of them, actually. I discovered there's a couple others. I, the one where there's like a singing butthole, and I was like, no, I'm out. This, I, I made it like five <laughs> minutes into it. Gosh. But there was a few of those. Yeah, but Kentucky Fried Movie is probably the only one that anybody really knows anymore. Right. Um, which was a, a minor success, I believe. I think it was a phenomenon in Los Angeles and they just made a movie of it like on the cheap hmm. like $300,000 but that gave them enough juice to do Airplane now Airplane is the one that basically kickstarted the whole genre boom zazz I mean what, what was it like a two and a half Zucker. million I don't know yeah, the, like I don't know the price million. but it, yeah it, but whatever it is it's massive profits once there's massive profits in anything that's cheap you're gonna see a hundred others yeah so Leslie Nielsen in that um, how he he was just a serious actor a uh, working Canadian serious actor and then they said yeah do what you do, as serious as you are, but it's going to be in a stupid comedy. And it worked. Right. It blew the doors off the hinges in that. Well, who else is it? Isn't it Robert Stack and what's uh, Peter Graves? Uh, Lloyd Bridges. Bridges. Yeah. All these yeah. rather so those serious are guys, actors. Right. Play it straight. And it's going to be funnier. And that's kind of like the, the template they would use for like the next 10, 15 years of guys who could be serious but also have enough sense of humor to get how to play it correctly. Uh, it all fell apart when Leslie Nielsen discovered he was funny. So maybe you're right. Repossessed might have ruined it. Yeah, I believe so. <laughs> Repossessed is not funny in the slightest. It's a parody of uh, Exorcist. Linda Blair reprises her role. He Leslie Nielsen plays one of the, the fathers who tries to exercise her. But it's just sleazy and dumb. And it's just a bunch of dumb references. Which leads us to the, the, the parody movies that we hate. Which are the movie movies. Or the flick flicks. Yeah. Seltzer and whatever. I don't know the other guy's name. And I don't care to know it. They're pretty bad. Right. Well, there's, there was a couple. At the time I loved it. I can't remember the guy's name. Enrico Colin. Kalanti or something like that. He did something called Silence of the Lambs, and he did a couple more after that. No, no he did uh, Silence of the Hams, excuse me. Hams, and sorry, no, Silence of the Hams. Hams was not good. It wasn't good. 
no. no, at the time I thought it was hilarious, but then I came back like a, I don't know, like ten years later. I was like, oh, what was I thinking? I was just hungry for anything that was parody. So, Loaded Weapon One, right? Is a parody of Lethal right. Weapon and Die Hard movies type sort of thing. Basically, a Lethal Weapon parody. That was okay. Naked Gun were pretty good. The first two were pretty good. Third one not so great. Well, the second one is copying all these ideas from the TV show, so it's almost the best. Of it's TV good, show but it. Parts. Yeah, yeah, it's it's good, but it's a lot of jokes that weren't fresh, and you could clearly see by part three they had hardly anything left. You know, I really do like the TV show of, of the Police Squad. I really like that the most. Oh yeah, of it's great. All of yeah. Them. Well, well, I was also of thinking you said Mel Brooks. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Spaceballs was huge, but... Spaceballs. Young Frankenstein started and, it. Right. But, you know, there's a couple duds in there. I always thought High Anxiety kind of stunk. Um, I think it was very Blazing funny. Saddles. But then he did Life Stinks. Right. Uh, but, you know, Robin Hood uh, uh, Men in Tights is also tons of jokes from his old TV show when things were rotten. Oh, I didn't know. But I, yeah. I didn't really like that one either. But it has moments. This is just kind of like a, a, a list of things, basically. I'm Gonna Get You Sucka is actually really great. We still like that one. It's it's really solid. Uh, Monty Python gets into it with Life of Brian, a parody of biblical epics, uh, and Holy Grail, of course. Monty Python is probably the better of them. And, right. I like Meaning Alive, but that is clearly a sketch movie. That is not. That's not a right. full on parody. It's not a full on. You're right. I, I mentioned before we're getting to movie movies, and those are terrible, and we're not actually going to talk about them. But that's like date no. movie. Dance move, dance right. Uh, epic. What movie. I hate about those is that they don't actually watch the movie. They don't base it. The best parodies are the ones that they really understood the genre. They they took the best things. It's like they're making fun of the things they love and you know just playing it up. Whereas the the movie movies, uh, flick flicks, we want to call them. It's like they watch the trailers. I mean, some of these I remember seeing. I was like, that movie's not even out yet. So how are you parodying Hancock when you don't even know what it's about? And it was just basically like a mushing of just what what's what's hot right now? What's hot now? It's the mad TV of movies. You know, it's just like not really in depth. Like there might be a couple funny moments. Right. And it's just... I can't believe they're still making movies. I think they, one came out a couple years ago, like uh, Perry the Fast and the Furious movie. Oh, right. And it's, how, do these, how do these guys keep getting, I think it's called Super Fast or something. That how is, do they keep it's getting called Super Fast. It's, oh, so Scary Movie started the movie movie things. But those are arguably the better of the worst, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, so, like a superhero of, movie. And some of them are. Superhero movie is fun. Craig Maison has a good handle on it. Uh, he's okay. I mean, of his yeah, movies, I mean, of uh, the best. Of our choices, of our choices right now. (laughs) So, uh, so not another teen movie was another movie movie thing, but scary movie really started the movie trend where people call it disaster movie, scary movie, and whatever. Then they started moving away, but you can't you can't hide it. The Meet the Spartans, same people. Vampires suck, same people. The good ones, the really Mm -hmm. good ones, the solid ones. Team America, World Police, Austin Powers movies, Walk Hard, Galaxy Quest is even considered a parody. Those are all solid. Oh yeah, kind of. What's the one? There was one I saw. It was out of Canada. It was a sketch group. They got together and made fun of seventies roller disco movies. I think it's called Roller City or something like that. Huh. A real low budget, shot for like five hundred thousand dollars, and it's just it's unbelievably goofy. And I can kind of get behind a movie that's okay if it's really small and it's just a bunch of scrappy kids putting together a movie. Then I can when <laughs> Fox will give twenty million dollars to the laziest piece of crap, you know. Yeah. Uh, so a more forgiving. Before we get to our actual titles, there's two things. So Zoolander is a sort of parody, but it's a parody of a culture, and it is tied in with. Tropic Thunder, which is a full parody of filmmaking culture and epic action movies. But those are also smarter movies. Not the second Zoolander, yeah. necessarily. But that it's like a little universe. Zooniverse? Zooliverse? I don't know how to say it. But, um... <laughs> but that's Landerverse. 
But, you know, like, Pulp Fiction, those indie movies like that, Pulp Fiction, The Good Girl, and so on. Not that those are related. I totally forgot. No, there, that... was, there was one called Plump, Plump Fiction, right? Wasn't there one called uh, uh, My Big Fat uh, Yeah, that's what movie? I'm getting at, My Big Fat Independent okay. Movie, which I just watched just to know what I was talking about. And it's made by Chris Gore. He wrote it. He co-wrote it. He didn't direct it. Somebody else did. Film Threat, right? Yes, See the film, threat. film Threat. Okay. Uh, film thread, I cut my teeth on, like, finding the weird, weird movies. Like, Freaked, which could be considered a parody, which you guessed on. Yeah. What did we just watch? What I had to, I had to, I've asked you so many times about the difference between spoof, parody, farce, tongue-in-cheek homages, and it's just like, to me, I'm completely lost. Like, I never would have considered <laughs> Tropic Thunder a parody. Well, would Hot or Fuzz be? Quest. Would Shaun of the Dead be? Yeah. But those are actually no, also I, movies. Mm, those are movies. Yeah, they're, they're legitimate movies. Right. Yeah, but they, well, I mean, well, some of these late. movies like Top Secret and Nicky Gun have real plots. Like, if you stripped away the jokes, you still have a plot. Sure. And I think that's what makes the best parody. Well, Airplane is but the plot also, of another movie. Absolutely another Yeah, movie. it's extreme absurdism, I think, is why. Right. It takes it to another uh, level to make it parody. But, I, like, if you were to ask me, I still, I can't tell the difference. You've told me, like, 20 <laughs> so many times. I'm just like, I'm stupid. Well, I'm I don't tell you but like, I will st- the wrong guy, to me, the- I thought the wrong guy was a parody, and you're like, no, the guy's just an idiot. Yeah, I'm like, the okay, wrong guy is just a, well, if it's a parody, it's just a genre parody, but it is not a parody in the sense of jokes behind him going on. He is the joke. The joke is always okay. on him. In parodies, a lot of times it's crammed the scene full of references, like a Mad Magazine page. So Okay, 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 I got that then, okay, all right. So, so Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead are not parodies in the sense of that, but they're parodies in the sense of skewering the genre and saying it's a romantic comedy zombie movie decrypting like the rules of that particular kind of movie and then discussing and poking fun at it yeah so the first on our list now that we ran that down all shoddy like like, (laughs) the first (laughs) on our list is top secret Look, I'm not the first guy who fell in love with a girl he met in a restaurant who then turned out to be the daughter of a kidnapped scientist, only to lose her to a childhood lover who she'd last seen on a deserted island and who turned out 15 years later to be the leader of the French underground. I know it. It all sounds like some bad movie. Got a girl named Daisy. She almost drove me crazy. Got a girl named Daisy. She almost drove me crazy. She rocked me to the east. She rocked me to the west. But she's the girl that I love best. So do the fruity. Oh, Rudy. 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 A walk, Papa Lubam, a lot, bamboo. From 1984, Val Kilmer, dead serious acting, by the way, Val Kilmer as Nick Rivers. <laughs> and he's great. He's He does all of his songs. It's a musical. He combines the elements of spy movie, beach blanket movie, hot rodder, sort of Elvis kind of movie, and totally, World yeah. War II Great Escape type of film, and also a big chunk of the Blue Lagoon. So this movie has dated oh, itself. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. How uncomfortable the blue—I the, the, don't know who the guy is who plays in the Blue Lagoon parody, but he had to spend a big chunk of that movie in very little clothing. That had to be like uh, awkward. Well, the whole thing, <laughs> this whole entire movie—I I love this movie, but it is chock full of such adult jokes and. 
as a young teen watching it on TV, some of those jokes were cut out. And then I see it on cable. It's a rated PG film, and some of those jokes are left in. So I've seen both versions. It's the censored or commer- cut to commercial during the naughty part, or yeah. or leave it in. And there's the ballerina scene in which all the guys' crotches are enormous, <laughs> and the ballerinas are jumping from crotch to crotch. <laughs> and what i remember I, I see the first time i saw this was on comedy central i didn't know it was happening then i rented it <laughs> oh yeah that was a surprise yeah so when i saw that i was like exactly surprised i'm just kind of shocked constantly there's another joke where val kilmer's agent is talking to him in in the jail cell and he's like nick i've tried everything the embassy the german government the consulate i even talked to the u.n ambassador it's no use I just can't bring my wife to orgasm. It's like... <laughs> where did he... Well, there's the, the, there's the Omar Sharif joke, you know, when he gets crushed in the car and then she's hovering over him and her cleavage is really close to his yeah, face. Yeah, he, he, he can't reach the glove compartment because he's crushed in a car, as he said, and she reaches over in her cleavage. And then the antenna, like you said, it's, a, it's like a boner. It's a penis reference. It's so much of this. And also, like, uh, Nick Rivers hands his agent this sex toy, which is a jackhammer. With attachments that are ridiculous, one of one is a fist, the other one is a banana, a banana, and these are jokes that were like, I know they're dirty, but I don't know why. I know that. Yeah. Well, it's called I did, anal I did intruder, not know. but I don't. Right. Understand. I didn't know what that. We both we both had sheltered lives. Yeah. I didn't understand the. Ca- the cow joke at the end when he's getting accosted in the All cow right. suit. So there's and a cow walks, suit. There's a front, there's a front yeah. of the cow suit and there's a back of the cow suit. And the villain of the film is in the back of the cow suit. And then a bull mounts the cow suit. And yeah. Why is he walking I didn't know funny? why he walked funny. For years. It took like four years. <laughs> I've seen it like on the third or fourth try. I was like, oh no, I got that now. Holy crap. <laughs> oh, but also to, to reference that guy... He was uh, stranded on a beach with this pretty girl. They do the Blue Lagoon thing, which if you don't know, listener, is uh, young teens grow up into young adults and they end up falling in love while being stranded on an island and then being rescued. It's called the Blue Lagoon. Then there's a remake called The Return to the Blue Lagoon, even though nobody returned to the Blue Lagoon. I think there's even Blue Lagoon, The Awakening. Yeah, that was for Lifetime. And so this guy gets uh, rescued. While the girl stays back, but he gets rescued by like a pirate ship or a smuggling vessel, and those. And he said that they did all sorts of things to him, and she c- hugs him and, and consoles him. But the the camera shoot pushes up to his face, and his expression is one of like slight delight about reminiscing that. And I was always like, what? <laughs> What? <laughs> so I, 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 when I first saw this, I was really uh, uh, about all the sex jokes because, like I said, like you said, right. we're sheltered. But what makes the movie work, though, are the extreme. This is like the highest level of the Zaz team mm-hmm. visual gags. Mm-hmm. Like, there's good uh, dialogue jokes, but the visuals are in- insane. Like, I just, like, no one's ever going to uh, get so many great uh, gags. Like, you said they're Mad Magazine-style gags. I don't even think Mad Magazine was even this clever. No, 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 no. Mad Magazine crams a page full of gags. It doesn't mean that they're good. Okay. <laughs> so, this is similar. Or, well, maybe they just kind of really fine-tuned it. Because there are jokes that are just fantastic. When she he rescues the girl in the first place, they run to the, some bicycles. And there's some bicycles in a row. This is, like, the coolest joke. 
joke. And she goes, the rest of the bikes. And then he goes over and smacks the backs of their seats and they go right off like they're horses. <laughs> it's just an amazing joke and it's a visual gag. And it, if you blink, you'll miss it or you won't even register it because you've seen westerns where they do this. And you'll just think it's, yeah. wait a minute, those are bikes. And it's fantastic. There's another western joke in which yeah, Val Kilmer and the villain fall into a river. And in the river, they have a fist fight in a saloon. It's ridiculous. It is completely ridiculous. Did I ever tell you? I don't remember if I ever told you the story. My professor in college, um, he worked with Val Kilmer just prior to him getting this movie. Oh, hmm. Yeah, he was doing Mark Twain uh, for a theater company in Texas. And, uh, of course, Hal Holbrook was the main star, whatever. And my professor did all the makeup for him for that show, I guess. And then, I, if, if I remember correctly, uh, Hal Holbrook just started doing it on his own. And so my professor was out of a job. But he says Val Kilmer was like, I don't know, an understudy or he was just beginning. And he had only done a few plays before this. So he was on that road show. And then he quit to go do Top Secret. Oh, huh. well, he was damn serious about doing this. All of the vocals for the songs were him. And the songs themselves are like Weird Al parodies. Skeet surfing. Skeet surfing. Skeet surfing. Everybody had a 12 gauge and a surfboard too. See him shooting and surfing. Hear the mellow Because it's totally pitching. Riding waves to blast me pigeons. And it's so neat shooting ski while you're riding out the heavies all day. Yeah. You know, that's the major <laughs> one, which is a medley of all the Beach Boys songs. That all the popular Right. How silly can you get? Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, so what's one where he wants to kill himself because she's left him? Are you lonesome tonight? Really ridiculous. Yeah, are you lonesome? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, so the, it parodies uh, music culture with his... It was his whole music thing, he, they behave like the Beatles. Remember when all the girls went crazy for the Beatles when they were on Ed Sullivan's show? I don't know if you remember that. I wasn't there. Were you oh, there? I was there. Oh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm 97 years old, <laughs> yes. I'm a Highlander. <laughs> so so they go crazy, and so they parody that, and all the girls go insane. They even have a song that's really quiet, and they're going insane, and the girls are muted, which is just a really subtle joke, but they're doing all the same actual screaming. They're just quiet. You don't hear them. It's fantastic. There's a lot of songs in the first part of the movie. I feel like there's only one other song later, right? At the pizza place? Yeah, uh, Straighten the Rug. Oh, yeah. So when the music starts to fade away is when they start really getting into the World War II espionage story. But the thing Um, is, it's not World War II, and I always thought it was. But it's East Germany. Oh, is it? It's East Germany. But the East Germans in this movie are dressed like Nazis. They just don't have the actual Nazi insignia on them. Gotcha. Okay, okay. So it is supposed to take place like in the late 50s, early 60s. Yeah. Okay, okay. Gotcha. I remember for years thinking, I loved it when uh, Val Kilmer was funny. And he basically abandoned that until Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Right. Brought it back. And that was really fantastic. Totally different type of comedy. But very dry and very great delivery. Yeah, actually, that that's similar delivery to uh, Real Genius. If you think about it, that kind of dry wit sort of thing. It is, but he, yeah, yeah, but he's supposed to be kind of snarky yeah. and funny in that right. one, where he's being sincere in this one. That's why it works. Uh, some of the visual gags, I think, that really work. Um, I like the giant telephone. I thought was hilarious. Yeah. It's a forced perspective. Uh, that pulling away. Forced perspective. Yeah, the, where the camera's really close to the phone, and the guy reaches for it, but instead of picking up a regular size phone it's enormous <laughs> the uh 
the whole gag where they had to go backwards with Peter Cushing. Yeah, well, so they shoot so it, difficult. they shot it backwards where they're all walking backwards and doing their lines and everything. But the joke is that he's Swedish. So the backwards, running the language backwards is supposed to be like Swedish. You know? and his but it all makeup, leads up with an eye gag. Yeah, yeah. Enormous eye. <laughs> And he pulls away the, the magnifying <laughs> glass, and his eye is still that big. They just go yeah. with it. I, there's, there's another makeup yeah, joke. Most of there's another makeup joke let's, that's let's really fantastic, where he's beating up the East German policeman uh, when he's trying to get the girl. His he smushes his hand into the guy's face, and he's holding his face in this very specific position. And then when he removes his hand, the guy's face is still smushed in that. And so, <laughs> such a great. It's a makeup application. It's really fantastic. It's uh, I like the deja vu chocolate mousse when they're introducing the resistance. Yeah, <laughs> that's not visual, but Latrine. I just I love the silly. <laughs> Have we not met before? Yeah. <laughs> so so there's the joke that comes up right before that with the uh, them being smuggled up to the resistance farm house, and it, there's this little horse that's it's just like a Shetland pony. He's singing and. All right, this is it. I must leave you here. Go now, quickly. <coughs> is he all right? Oh, he caught a call the other day, and he's just a little horse. Get your Mario. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. It's, there are all these really great puns. This is where I get a lot of my, my pun appreciation for is from Zucker abrams zucker movies yeah and especially top secret yeah top secret is kind of the one that was forgotten that's the one where everybody thought their career was kind of done because police got, uh, squad was a flop they didn't bother to do airplane 2 which i think is actually okay um every bad mouse and i'm like it's good it's, it's not fine. great but it's, good. it's not terrible it has some and, really great shatner jokes yeah, yeah all these lights bleeping and blinking i don't know what they do I just keep ble- i can't say the word beeping and blinking beeping and blinking but yeah it, and then top secret only made what like six well the problem with and- top secret is it's making fun of stuff that came, not didn't just come 20 years before but earlier it's making fun of things right. that were very popular among boomers in the 80s, the teens, the kids, they weren't. They didn't care about that stuff. Well, the summer of 84 was also brutal. Is this when it came out? Yeah. When did Top Secret come out? I don't know about the summer, okay. but it came out in 1984. Yeah, that year was like the best. 87 and 84 are a competition for like how many great movies came from this year. Oh my god. <laughs> I'll have you know, 82 is up there as well. Uh, uh, 82 is pretty good. It's for, for genre movies, it's great. It was released in June. Oh my God, you're right. It's dead of summer. Yeah, so it got it got slaughtered. Yeah. But what's the movie they did after this though that that saved their career? Um, uh, uh, Danny DeVito, Bette Midler, where they get kidnapped and Ruthless People. So Ruthless People made a crap ton of cash. So that gave them the power to do Naked Gun, and then Naked Gun is what saved the parody genre. Or ruin? No, it didn't ruin it. No, but it brought Leslie Nielsen back to the forefront, and then he did. In the middle of that, Repossessed, which is awful. And then, yeah. and then of course, we had to suffer through uh, Dracula Dead Loving It, Wrongfully Accused, uh, and like five other uh, terrible parodies. I thought he was okay in the scary movie yeah, stuff. Yeah, the Hot Shots ones you are some... alright. They're not bad. I love Hot Shots 1 too. I actually like those more than any of the Zucker Brothers stuff. Hmm. Yeah, I, I like the second the one because yeah. of the Twin Peaks 
Link. It's not. It's just Miguel Ferrer, and he says, "War is fantastic," and I love that line, and I love Miguel. Ferrer. <laughs> so, I, I like the woman that says, "I love you" in Wall Street because it's a joke on top of a joke because they're doing a, a Apocalypse Now parody at the same time they're commenting on the fact that they were both in Wall Street. I just thought that was great. Yeah. So, so there's so there's that. You know, top secret is probably I would say arguably the best on this list it's like the the grandfather you give it you give it respect damn it on this list <laughs> <laughs> but you know for what like 15 years the parody genre was owned by two or three guys yeah. you know the abrams went off on his own he started working with pat proft who had done a few things during the 80s i think he did like one of the police academies and combat academy right. mafia was one um, as well that Right, yeah, Mafia. Mafia's the first time I was like, oh, I think the end of the genre is just around the yeah, corner. Yeah, it wasn't so that, bad, and the title, moments. when the credits no. come up, is Jane Austen's Mafia, which is hilarious, because Jane Austen movies were big at the time, like Emma and so on, yeah. but, but like Jane Austen's Mafia is just a funny title, and then it's just a parody of Casino and Goodfellas. Yeah, totally, and I, I enjoy it, but it's not... Basketball it's, it's can be end considered of... the same kind of comedy. I guess, yeah, it's... but... It's what's scary movies, what came around and, and kick-started the genre again. And, yeah. you know, it was massively profitable, so everybody... But it's also what killed the franchise. Now, there's been some clever stuff here and there. There's been lost movies. Like, there's one called A Man Called Sarge, which I enjoyed as a parody of desert World War II movies. Hmm. There's one called Going Under with Bill Pullman and Peter Boyle, which is a parody of submarine movies. Super specific uh, genre film. Now, did you watch you know, the uh, one? I asked you to watch this, and I don't know if you did. What's up, Tiger Lily? I, I've seen it before. I got the gist of it, I remember, from years ago. So it's important for the next movie we're going to discuss, Kung Pao. On January 18th, the world's greatest legend... I'm, I'm sorry? I said the world's greatest legend will be revealed. From the director of Ace Ventura 2 comes the hardest-hitting comedy of the year. Kong Pao, Enter the Fist. Rated PG-13, January 18th, only in theaters. Because it kind of leads up to it. And I think, is that the first movie to do that? Yeah. And the only, like, okay, between between What's Up, Tiger Lily and Kung Pao, was there any other movies that chose that style of filmmaking? The joke skit stuff. So, like, a, a Kentucky Fried movie has a skit that's like that, but it's all shot original. Right. Then you had a TV. A of Yen. Yeah. Then I you think. had a TV show called Mad Movies, and it came out in southern california it was on local tv called mad movies in which they would talk over the movies and do the dialogue while the movie was playing almost okay. like mst3k gotcha. but nobody actually took a movie re-edited it or redubbed it like uh what's up tiger lily mostly did just redubs but they did do some editing tricks which were kind of clever where there's a hair that gets on the lens and the projectionist is trying to get the hair all while the movie is <laughs> going on it's it's ridiculous i have a friend who bought dead snow and he, uh, I don't know how he did this. I don't even know if he's making this up. The guy's not exactly trustworthy. But he says he removed all the original subtitles and built his own subtitles so that they would be completely ridiculous. Is that possible? Yeah, you can write, you rip it and then you have an SRT file, which is a subtitle file. And you can okay. Okay. sync that up. You have to, it's 
got a lot of timing, so he's he had to work on it. It's like almost math. Yeah. Knowing the guy, I don't think he had that kind of time. Now, now <laughs> just as a side note, there's a movie called uh, Mechanical Violator Hakaider, and there's an English dub of it. It's a Japanese tokusatsu film and subtitles, and if you run both of them at the same time, they are hilariously not the same thing. So, <laughs> I mean, accidents will happen. But this one, Kung Pao, is not an accident. This is deliberate. He took a Jimmy Wang Yu movie. The director is Steve Oderkirk. What did he do before? You know. The first thing I had seen was High Strung, which was, I think, straight to video. I don't think it was ever in theaters. A very, very low budget shot for like $50,000. The only reason it ever came out of VHS probably because Jim Carrey does a small cameo in it as like the devil. And basically for an hour and a half, he's bitching at the screen. It's like a one-man show kind of thing. Oh. So that's the first time I'd seen him. And then I knew that he was really good friends with Jim Carrey, so he got, he got to do the second Ace Ventura, that he did nothing to lose with Tim Robbins and Martin Lawrence, which I, I'm, I like that movie. It's, it's not bad. And so he had a little bit of juice from that. I think he did one of the Almighty movies, maybe Bruce Almighty, like he wrote Bruce, that. Bruce, he wrote so he the was screenplay mostly for Bruce. Right. Mostly writing is what he was known for, but he got enough juice to do this ridiculous movie. And I have to say, the other thing, I remember seeing this, is it went into production because Fox was terrified they wouldn't have anything for the fall because of the strike. I can't remember if it was a writer or actor strike or whatever it was. So they greenlit Transporter, or not, I don't know if they greenlit or they co-financed, because remember, that's a Europa film, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. whatever, they picked, they picked that up, they they did that. I remember like Disney did um, Frank McCluskey, CI, you know. Right. Stuff like that. Like real low budget, $10 million, low risk, just in case they decide not to, you know, put it in theaters. So we have Kung Pao greenlit because they were terrified they'd have nothing on their schedule. Wow. Okay. So before he did Kung Pao, he did Thumb Wars, which I actually appreciate a bit. All the Thumb Yeah. Thumb so Tannic. Thumb Tannic. Yeah. Thumb Tannic uh, was terrible. Bethum. Blair Thumb was pretty funny until the very end where it's just Frankenstein and that was insane. So funny but that was actually pretty interesting and it plays into this the special effects for it were little little puppets that look like thumbs dressed up in clothes but superimposed on those thumbs were faces and there was just two eyes and a mouth and those yeah. were actually apparently from the actors right upn did those shows and they made a ton of cash off this like a hundred thousand dollar episode just steve odenkirk just goofing off yeah with with some people from the vacant lot that guy from what the vacant lot one of the actors from the vacant lot was in the Blair Thumb as I don't know. Uh, the Vacant yeah, Lot. I don't. I don't know what that is. What's the Vacant Lot? The Vacant Lot is the sister show to, or the brother show, honestly, to the Kids in the Hall. It was on. Comedy really, Central. I didn't yeah. know. Yeah, it's a pretty good. Same show. company. Uh, yeah, I gotta look it's, this up right it's, now. What's his Keep head? talking. I'm gonna look. It's what's his head. It's um. Come back Lauren with Michael. my show. It's Lauren, yeah, Lauren Michaels. Uh, it's very funny Canadian actors, and they contributed to the Blair Thumb. Guy sounds just like a lady. Knows the vocal inflection and everything. It's just fantastic. I've been saying fantastic a lot. <laughs> Jeez. I'll tell you, what, what I don't think is exactly fantastic is Kung Pao, Enter the Fist. But it's on here because it's such a strange little movie. Yeah, it's a it's like a DIY movie with uh, a decent budget. I mean, the CGI, the fact that it was even that good for $10 million is surprising. Um, well, I mean, the baby obvi- is look really obvious and the cow is obvious, but I think it almost meant to be obvious because it makes it funnier. But a lot of it's just like, how did he melt himself into that scene so well? It's just so strange. It's just green screen. I don't know any of these people. There's some I'm, looking, scenes. I'm looking at this cast. Big a lot. I don't know any of these people. Yeah. There are some scenes in Kung Pao that he just shot in his backyard. Like the whole Simba scene, the, the Lion King scene where 
Simba shows up, or Kim, I don't know the names, but the James Earl Jones lion shows up in the sky. That was all shot in his backyard. Like, it wasn't even part of a set. It wasn't using old footage or anything. It was just shot in his backyard. They have a bunch of inserts like that, like the scene where he is running through the shrubbery and he gets a little net thrown over his face. That scene is just in some field somewhere in California. Stuff like that. But what the concept is, is they take this old, like, two or three kung fu movies. They optioned him from, or bought the rights from, Jimmy Wang Yu, who was the director of those original movies. Take that footage, make a new movie out of that footage, write new dialogue to dub over characters. And it's that old joke where the guy will be saying a whole bunch of stuff. Oh, you won't hear what he's saying. And then he says, no. And then his mouth keeps moving. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's That's it's, a lot of the jokes is, is out-of-line dubbing. Out-of-line dubbing, yeah. That's like the most low-hanging, obvious joke right there. Other jokes, yeah. there was a joke to be fixated on sex, maybe, this episode. There was a joke that was left on the cutting room floor, appropriately, where he fights a bunch of dudes with his penis. And it's not out of his <laughs> pants, it's in his pants, so he's got these billowy pants, but you see this like like a nightclub sort of length thing just beating up these dudes. And he does some sort of break dancing where he's spinning on it as well, kicking some dudes. But it, it got lowbrow at certain points. There's a character, a lady character, who has just one boob in the center of her chest. There's a character, my favorite character in the movie is named Wimplow. And the dialogue is just great around his character. Now we'll learn who's the best. (laughs) Face to foot style. How'd you like it? Try my nuts to your fist style. Who's laughing now? Please stop. Wimplow sucks as a fighter. A child could beat him. I'm bleeding, making me the victor. I must apologize for Wimplow. He is an idiot. We have purposely trained him wrong. As a joke. He thinks that's the technique is to lose. But it's not called losing. It's winning. (laughs) (laughs) You know? I do reference this movie a lot when I see birds. Just birds. Yeah. I say, Bertie. Bert. Bert. (laughs) And if I see a tiger, I'll say, tiger. I find myself at work a lot just talking in that voice. Did you see that? That was disgusting. (laughs) Yeah, the voiceover I mean, really? His stomach is just on the ground. The How narrator. Gross. Hey, you sound quite like him, actually. <laughs> uh, yeah, the narrator is. I mean, he does all the voices too. It's the chosen one. He's a kung fu guy. They make references to yeah. the Matrix. What else? Yeah. Oh, a lot of yeah. Well, that's when every movie seemed to be making a parody of the uh, Matrix. But that was kind of a cliche of those uh, Shaw brother kind of films back then, where just the absurd, ridiculous, like oh, this this battle sequence, you have to have the twelve points of death. You're like, what? You have to touch him here and here, and he has these little blocks over him, and you must grab it with your knuckles, but you must hit the wood first. And you're like, no, none of this makes any sense. I don't. I want to talk like that forever, actually. <laughs> Let's continue this episode. Oh no. so i think it's a successful film in what it's setting out to do i did see this in the theater i went with the actor james vincent aka james notorleva aka turtle who was all right i was wondering who we were talking about yeah he was in he was in dude where's my car is one of the nerds he says yes we're used to being mocked that's his major line even though he has other lines and he's been on sitcoms and whatever but he was in this band called the classics and i knew him from that and then he called me up and he's like hey you i'm gonna go see kung pao you want to go see it so i go down to la and we go see it and the theater is empty except for me 
him, two uh, other people. It looks like a couple, a guy and a girl. And they look like smart, very, very smart collegiate type uh, cinephiles. And maybe some other dude <laughs> up down there. Now, in the middle of the movie... Was it Steve Odenkirk? Was it Steve Odenkirk chewing his fingernails going, Oh, God, this needs to make a profit. <laughs> no. It was... Actually, I think it did okay. If I remember correctly, I think it did okay. <laughs> so we're watching this thing, and we're laughing at the appropriate moments. The movie's not... It does get laughs. It is definitely a bad movie. But it gets laughs. <laughs> so we're laughing at the appropriate parts of these two people in front of us are... Um, noticeably kind of annoyed not that we're laughing but that the jokes are happening that the movie is happening and they did get up and leave did they choose the wrong movie do they think they're watching like <laughs> crouching tiger hidden dragon yes maybe i don't know <laughs> i don't know but i thought that was pretty funny i was like you knew what you were walking into didn't you i mean you saw the poster right well right in the first five minutes you should figure out does he have on the poster doesn't he have like woodchucks as his nunchucks and, yes and, and the cow a, doing kung fu yeah it's a very bad poster too but uh hey it is what it is it's very annoying uh, oh, Wimplo's shoes always squeak like little squeaky toys. That's yeah, also I hate funny. the part where she, the girl, the girl squeaks was annoying. I thought, wee, 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 yes. Well, I, what kills me, my favorite joke in this movie is the one where the guy, the old man dies and he's left in a field. And he's like, hey, where are you going? Just because I fall on the ground doesn't mean I'm dead. Seriously, come back here. And then he dies again. He's like, no, I'm serious. Come back here. Why do you keep leaving me? <laughs> yeah. LB really hates this movie and it is because I, of the, <laughs> I don't think it's a girl it's from that lady it's awful uh i can understand hate for this movie but i i can tell you i i supported it for a while i bought the dvd i don't have it anymore but uh it is what it is it's not good. Yeah, I picked I picked it, it up for fifty cents. I gotta get around to watching it again. <laughs> it's has ever been has ever been a good has ever been a good kung fu parody? It's a yes, hard thing to get there right. There has, and it's what it's called what? Kung Fu Hustle. Oh yeah, well is that a parody? Yeah, it, it's technically a parody. It even has a shining moment where the walls it feels, it rush like, with blood. But it is okay. I gotta watch it again. It is literally by Stephen Chow who who makes yeah. good kung fu comedies. So. Yes, it's been made, but it's not American. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, that always felt more like Looney Tunes to me, but I guess Looney Tunes is always kind of a parody too. So, yeah, well, especially the Looney Tunes in which it's set in old Hollywood, where they're in the uh, Tiny Tunes reprised it with yeah. uh, Clint Eastwood. Well, you know, Big Trump- Waiter, where's my wine? But mom, I don't <laughs> want to do my homework. That's his wine. Anyway, yeah, Big Big Trouble in Little China has fun poking. Uh, a little bit at the genre. Not quite a parody. That's homage. See? No, 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 no. See, just homage thinking, like, that's is different, right? Yeah. That's where you got your confusion happening. Like, where's what's homage and what's... So I would say, like, those movies like uh, Hot Fuzz and, and Shaun of the Dead are homage films, not parody films. But they're on the list of parodies if you look up Google. I don't know if yeah. Google's the um, end all of it. You know, I forgot to mention, the same year that Naked Gun came out, we got our first black exploitation spoof in I'm Gonna Get You Sucka, which I really enjoy. There's been a couple others since then, but that, it kind of died off. That movie holds up still to today. Yeah. Because it is referencing black exploitation from the 70s, which is, is a solid thing in and of itself. Right. Somewhat well, of a parody was, of itself uh, with yeah, Rudy Ray Moore. Fear of a Black 
Oh, you're talking about CB4 and Fear of a Black Planet? Yeah, Fear of a Black Hat. Then there was Don't Be a Menace to South Central, or Drinking Your Juice in the Hood. Which there was High School High. Well, the Don't Be a Menace went into Scary Movie, the first Scary Movie, and the second one. And then the, from the third one on, it just became sort of a Zucker Brothers type of movie. But before, yeah. they, were Wayne's, but, they were Wayne's movies. But our third selection, Black Dynamite. All you suckers gather around. There's a brand new movie coming to town. So get on up and check the scene of the smoothest, baddest mother to ever hit the big screen. Main man, Black Dynamite. He's super cool and he no kung fu. Drives a $5,000 car and wears a $100 suit. You're so righteous. This is also true. And when it comes to the ladies... He's out of sight. Uh, let me guess. You one of these brothers think you can get by on a wink and a smile, huh? What about the smile? I am smiling. Black Dynamite. Never in the history of the game has there been such devastation. The CIA needs Black Dynamite now more than ever. We need you, Black Dynamite, now more than ever. I thought I told you, hunkies from the CIA, that Black Dynamite was out of the game. And he's better than Sham Superfly and the Mac put together. But when the mob kills his brother, your death will not go unavenged. And put the dope on the street. It's my nephew Bucky. He OD. He's back in the game and he's playing for keeps. Dynamite! Dynamite! I am declaring war on anybody who sells drugs in our community. But Black Dynamite, I sell drugs in the community. He killed my best dealer. I want him dead. No! So if you crave satisfaction, then dig this action. Guaranteed to put your ass in traction. Black, black, stack, attack, and match. Backtrack, slapjack, boot black, flashback, ramsack, jam pack, and still coming back. You see where I'm coming from, you jive mother... Black Dynamite! All-star running back for Ronte Jones. Fashion model Tambula Takar. William T. Michelson. Ronnie Sinatra. Little Tiny Tibbs. Junebug. Bo Willie Peters. And me. That bad bullhorn. Black Dynamite. Feel the cinema the quadro Rated R. It's so different than the other ones. It tries to be as authentic as possible. And there's not like hundreds of like... A joke, 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 gag, gag, gag. No. It's like the slow burn, and all of a sudden you realize, did, did I just miss that joke? i got to rewind that, you know, yeah. that kind so, of thing. And it's, it's not even from a guy who does comedy. That's the weirdest thing. The director it, isn't known for comedy. Well, it is a parody of the lowest budget style of black exploitation you've got, which is Rudy Ray Moore movies. Petey Wheatstraw, The Devil's Son-in-Law. It didn't quite reference that one, but it did reference Dolomite and The Human Tornado. Those two movies <laughs> are notoriously bad there's boom yeah. mics all Which, over the place they did you watch mad tv at all because uh, they did some very very good parodies of uh those movies uh, i did see but not that i didn't watch mad that often so it's a very specific kind of black exploitation. So like top tier black exploitation is like three the hard way. Fantastic movie. That's like James Bond movie. That's like my favorite James Bond movie is three the hard. I way. I always get confused. I get confused on those. So is it? So which one's the one that takes place in the the West? Is that three the hard way? No, that's uh, you don't want me to say it. Boss N word. No. Uh, oh, isn't it take a hard ride or something? But it's all the same cast. Oh, I don't know. Then there was one down, two to go. So that's like the trilogy, the holy trilogy, where all the black exploitation actors basically. Yes, got one down, two to go gangsters. is actually a, a semi sequel, not quite sequel. 
Okay. To yeah. Three and the then there was Wings. original Gangsters, which is kind of the same thing. And that's so the, we, and, and, the same cast back in the nineties. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, that that exploitation kind of genre had a revival in the nineties. So Black Dynamite seems like it came a little late. Way like we're out of that whole seventies nostalgia. Yeah. It came around the time. Well. Three years late. Wait, two thousand nine, right? Yes. Came two years after Grindhouse, so I always thought Grindhouse should be the header and then Black Dynamite. So Grindhouse presents Black to Dynamite. To this day, am shocked that Destination Films never opened a direct video or limited release line of Grindhouse presents. Yeah, I know it only made twenty four million dollars, but they made sequels and built franchises off less successful films. Hey, so I always Machete, just go around Machete is a side movie to the Grindhouse movies. Yeah. So, well, so like, is, um, it should be called what's Grindhouse the Hobo with a shotgun. Yeah. Yeah. Those should all have Grindhouse presents and this one in particular because this one the problem with the the treatment of the film is that it doesn't get the uh, vinegar syndrome, right? It should be more purpley magenta looking and it doesn't have that but that's really difficult to do what does that mean what does vinegar syndrome mean i know that that's a brand like a dvd company well, it's, what does that mean vinegar syndrome is actually what happens to old film it's called vinegar syndrome because it deteriorates and i guess turns to vinegar or something i don't know but it's called vinegar syndrome oh. and what you're seeing okay. when you watch these old unremastered films either on you know those 50 packs of sci-fi films and whatever and you're looking yeah, at it, Mill and, it Creek. and it has yeah. this pink magenta sort of purple hue to the film uh-huh that's okay, called okay. vinegar syndrome yeah if i'm mistaken please let me know audience but that's it's what I shot have. on digital right and that's it's part of what they had to put a grain a digital grain yeah um, i think i, I don't think it was film it had to have been made really cheap it was made in two weeks i do believe it was shot in two weeks wow shot in two weeks i'm pretty sure the pre-production was much much longer but um yeah. it's so good it all it is is a black exploitation film but it is done with uh, tongue in cheek and it is made by black folk who love the genre who want to homage the genre genre at the same time as make fun of the genre and they nail yeah. it every it's like they made a legit yeah, moment. they made a legitimate movie, and just when the time was right, they did a hilarious joke. Now, Black Dynamite himself is Michael Jai White, who, ah, he's like the unsung kick-ass dude. Yeah. He's... Uh, trained at Juilliard, I believe. He's the only martial artist I know that's been, like, highly class, you know, <laughs> like, high-level training of acting. He's got a lot of sort of straight-to-video action movies, but, man, Tarantino put him always in Kill Bill. Him. They're always way beneath him. Yeah, Tarantino put him in Kill Bill in a scene in Hong Kong, a flashback scene where Bill actually fights him in an alleyway, and uh-huh. that would be put back into the film for the whole bloody affair, but in the domestic release, the two shots that we've got, one and two, it's not in there, which is a bummer, because he's cool. He does the thing. Yeah, it's really know? cool. A whole bloody affair. Did that ever actually come out i had that on pre-order for a long yeah, it's time it's only in japan so far yeah, okay great awesome it's probably waiting out for like the 40th anniversary or something yeah michael j white like he during his prime years he was just making stuff i think that was beneath him i know spawn gave him a career but i think it's a terrible movie universal soldier 2 he's the only thing worth watching in that film yeah it just seemed like he all every once in a while he'll get like a little thing and, and he'll get some notice and he'll build him up for a little bit but it just goes straight back to like why is he doing these never back down and movies? damn he's a beautiful dude yeah you fit as He's funny as hell. Delivery. Have you ever? Okay, so you know the guy who did this movie, Scott Sanders. 
years. He's only done one other movie as far as I know. He wrote a movie called Thick as Thieves, which is a direct-to-video movie with Alec Baldwin at the very end of his leading man years. And Michael Jai White's in it, and he is absolutely hilarious. And no one's, as far as I know, has ever seen it. I've never heard of it. Yeah. I, n- I don't know a thing about Thick as Thieves. Yeah, I don't want to go too long on this one. Black Dynamite is a gem. It is so one of those good. lost movies. I saw this as a double feature with Mystery Team. Both movies were barely released. Um, I think they're extremely entertaining. And I think Mystery Team's got a little bit more notice because of you know community and, and, and uh, Atlanta, uh, uh, Donald Glover becoming a thing. But Black Dynamite just seems to be lost. Like People who know it, know it, but it hasn't gone beyond those initial people. Right. Uh, well, it has a little bit. It turned into an anime. Like uh, Yeah, but is the cartoon popular? I, I don't know anybody who talks I, about I it. I think it's still going, or or it is oh, in really? repeats wow. or syndication or something. Yeah. Well, I saw they were trying to do a follow-up. They do a parody of the Black Westerns, and it was a budget of, I think, $2 million, and they raised like 200000 on Kickstarter, and that was like, oh, that that's not good. Oh, yeah. Huh. So I'm close. Right. <laughs> I just thought there'd be more love. Like, someone would want to see a follow-up, but no, I guess not. Now, I know you're a TV dude. You're a big TV dude. Definitely. You were... Well, not, not lately. Not lately. I kinda, no, but I kinda, back in the day. Yeah. Your, your teeth still. were cut yeah. on television. Mine were cut on cable TV and I did used to watch... Well, I watched more movies than anything, but I did used to watch MTV right. a lot, and I watched, you know, 120 minutes to get my music, but they had some comedy shows. We already talked about this on, what did we just watch? The Idiot Box. Watched some of that, but I really watched The State. The State was their replacement for Idiot Box, right? Because they had ended it. MTV didn't choose to end Idiot Box. I think Alex Winter had chosen to end it so they could go work on a movie. So they were like, well, we need some hip, new comedy thing, whatever. What do we got? And then they found all these college kids. This out comedy of the- troupe called the state. Yeah, NYU? Yeah, I guess. I don't know where they're from, but it's all these comedy heavy, like, they're current heavyweights. And Michael Showalter, David Wayne. Ben Garant, and... Uh, Thomas Lennon. And Michael Ian Black. But just thinking, like, some of the guys have faded away, Marino. but still you see so many behind the scenes. Ken Marino you see all the time. He's great. Uh, who was in Masterminds. We talked about, what, on the last episode? Yeah, yeah, Masterminds. Yeah, so some of these guys are still around. They're making lots of movies. David Wayne is the one who really broke out. I mean, he's been making lots of stuff. He, he, Wet Hot American Summer was a parody. Yeah, so and... that's a parody. Parody of a type of movie, the summer camp movie. But then they reel it into a specific kind of summer camp, and it's a Jewish summer camp, which makes it even funnier. But, man, this thing is full of heavyweight. So I'm going to name a few. Paul Rudd, Amy Poehler, Bill Hader, Ellie Kemper, Kobe Smulders, Michael Ian Black, Randall Park, Chris Maloney, Ed Helms, David Wayne, of course, is in it, Jack McBrayer, Keenan Thompson, Ken Marino, we just mentioned, Max Greenfield, Melanie Linsky. From the director of Role Models. You look different. Really? You think so? You've got Groucho glasses on. You noticed. The point of love is to get laid. Comes a romantic comedy like you've always seen before. Only better. You like fiction books? And weirder. Yummy, yummy in my tummy. Wow, great story. It really is like a corny movie. I know, the only difference is it's not a movie. It's our real life. They came together. Rated R. So let me ask you, why then? Does this movie almost feel like it's not good? I, I just, I feel like it's just a sketch, an extended sketch. Like they used to do this show called Stella. Yes. Which was like a par. It was it was a, a parody show mixed with like the Marx Brothers kind of style comedy, and it doesn't feel like a fully developed idea. It's like they had enough to go get a green light, and they and then once they got the green light, they didn't continue to mold it together. It's not even improv. Like a lot of these uh, kind of movies have 
a lot of improv in them. And it just, just feels like we got two weeks, we got to do this now. You know, and it's the only way that they could. And, I mean, there's nothing really wrong with it. I think there's some really funny stuff in there's it. There's a lot of um, funny stuff I, in this. Chris Maloney is the funniest thing in this whole movie. I can't believe it. Just like the way he stole Wet, uh, Wet Hot American Summer. He's only in maybe ten minutes of it at most. At most. The, he's in he the Harold and Kumar movie. And is that, that's kind of a parody uh, right? as well. Freak show. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's not. A freak show. Oh, it's a parody of the road trip movie. Yeah, but it's sorry, not sorry. Yeah. an actual parody. It's so strange. No. Yeah. yeah, it's it's one of those movies also that got buried. I think Lionsgate is like the king of buying movies with potential and then just burying them so they never find This came out in 2014. <laughs> it is about a small business owner who is going up against a corporate conglomerate that's going to wipe her little candy store out with their giant candy yeah. business it is it's a you've got mail parody yeah you got mail or a shop around the corner well that's the same thing right yep totally. yeah shop around the corner for all you super old people and all you kind of old people you got mail oh you know what it is that's i just realized what's wrong with the movie i just realized what's wrong with the movie it's too on the nose with the parody it's self-aware okay you know what i mean like it refers to these things like yeah that's kind of thing that happens in romantic comedy. that's the problem it's too smug in its parody okay yeah, Bill Hader's character keeps on, like, there's a scene where they keep reiterating that the, the third character is New York City. Because it's two couples talking to each other about how one of the couples met, Paul Rudd and Amy Poehler, how they met and fell in love. Uh-huh. And the major big joke is that they actually got divorced, and oh, ha, ha, ha. And there's some reiterations by Bill Hader, like, yeah, yeah, we got it. New York City is the third character. Okay, yeah, yeah that's cute. So when they're talking face-to-face, these two couples, Bill Hader and Ellie Kemper and Amy Poehler and Paul Rudd, there's a certain kind of cruelty to their delivery, I think. I don't know if it's cruel, but there's like a mean streak to them where they they like, come on, yeah, get on with it type of straight-faced, dry, and almost like angry (laughs) without yelling. It's very strange to me, and I don't know if those jokes land. Actually, I my hunch it's, is it's, that and that's and that's and that's the wraparound. Yeah. And that's almost the most important part to get you into the movie. You need those wraparounds to work. But I do find this movie to be uh, worth watching. It's it's got a lot of not potential because it meets a lot of the yeah. potential. David Wayne is a frustrating director because he's done so many good things. At the same time, they always seem like they're like okay. When I first saw uh, Wet Hot American Summer, I was like, there's a lot of potential in this, but I didn't particularly like it oh. like i just thought there's some good bits and then the second viewing i started it's like one of those that like, you slowly grow into on repeat viewings i thought the 10 was a miserable failure and i was horribly mm. disappointed when i saw okay. it i mean i'll revisit it sometime but i think i had high hopes yeah and it's one of those rare sketch comedy we're talking about it's like sketch comedy anthology kind of films yeah. whatever they're, they're few and far between and i think it's just hard to keep the momentum going for the entire movie right so i think what happened with this, I started fizzling out towards the end, like the last act of it, where the walls are closing in on her characters. She's going to go off and get married. And everything is set up so that she, he he knows where to find her. And when he goes to find her, her husband comes and tries to fight him, which is out of nowhere. Michael Shannon shows up as her ex-husband. Oh, with right. A yeah. Samurai a... sword. Why a samurai sword? Do you know this? <laughs> I don't know. My son, no. my son, what have you done? It's the name of a movie by Werner Herzog in which he plays a man. It's based on a true story in San Diego. Went on a killing spree with a samurai sword. Whoa, I've never heard of this. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, It's a, he's, he's a really interesting director. I love Stella with an unwavering passion. I really liked his uh, short films, Wainy Days, that he did for Facebook. I think he did it for Facebook. Or no, MySpace. <laughs> but like, the, the, the 10 was frustrating. I really like Role Models, even though that's probably the most normal movie, I would say, of his bunch. Right. Also with Paul Rudd. 
Yeah, I thought Wanderlust was highly underrated. I really enjoyed it. It didn't make a dime. And that kind of stopped things for him. I thought uh, what did you, the new one he did for Netflix, A Futile Jester about National Lampoon magazine, yeah. I thought that was kind of a dud. I saw it. I thought it was a really interesting way to do a biopic about a guy who died and have him yeah, be older telling the story. It's int- I thought it was actually – I was into it more than you were, put it that way. Probably, yeah. I mean, I'm really interested in the history of that, too, and I was just kind of like, maybe it's because it didn't play to the typical biography film, which I'm so conditioned to enjoy. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. That could be. Maybe later I'll revisit it and, and like it more like the way I did with Wet Hot American Summer. Right. Well, of so course, he's Wet going Hot back to that well the, a couple times. did a second series, yeah. and I, are they doing another series? No, they did three. They did three series? They did do. I don't know if I watched yeah. the well, second. Uh, so, I mean, the well, hold third. on. So there, there. Maybe, maybe I'm saying this wrong. So there's the original movie, movie, and then there's the prequel, First Day of Summer, or something like that. I then saw there's that. the sequel, Ten Years Later. Oh, I don't. I probably saw them all then. Sounds yeah. familiar. But I like the Wet Hot American Summer stuff. I did. I always have. But this one, this one, I think it just outstays its welcome. I think that much, it outstays its welcome. And I'll tell you, the genre that they're parodying, I do not love. That could be another thing. I mean, I, I think you kind of have to have reverence for the genre. Like, there's a silliness to it. Like, you know, with Hot Shots, it's you know, all, action all the movies, Rambo pro, movies. yeah, action movies, military, you know, loaded weapons, stuff like that. Has, has there been a sword sorcery parody? I know there was that one, Your Highness. Your Highness, but would there's be so much ridiculous. That. Yeah, I guess I couldn't stand that movie though. But I, I feel like there's a lot of stuff to make fun of in like those big epic sword and sorcery films. They're so like pretentious and full of themselves, stuff like that. I, but there's not a lot of genres left to really parody. I think they've kind of covered. Yeah, I mean, I, almost everything. Hard so. sci-fi. <laughs> maybe that just seemed like oh maybe I guess you could do a parody. A parody of, that. of Dune. That's, I think another reason why. Well, I mean, the genre is dying not just because of the shitty. Uh, uh, movie flick movies, flick movies yeah. and movie movies. Yeah, it's because they're. I think they're running out of things to say, to poke fun at. Nothing seems risque and outrageous now, which is kind of the charm and the fun. It's like rebellious. Right, right, yeah. Okay. When, when, when life itself has become a parody, when what you read in the news sounds like an Onion article and you find out it isn't. Right. <laughs> uh, there's this current thing about uh, an attack on a dude, an actor. I don't need to get into it, but it doesn't seem like yeah. it doesn't sound like it sounds written in a writer's room. It doesn't sound like real life. None of it. Not even this, the scenario that supposedly played out to the expose of the scenario that did play out. None of it sounds real. <laughs> yeah, I feel like this entire world is played out like a, a wrestling match. Everything you see in the Somehow. news, everything you hear about is a wrestling match. Oh, this guy's the heel. This guy's the hero. Oh, we're going to have this event turn. Everything is either televangelist TV show. Hey, I'm going to be your savior. You need to give yourself to me. Or, oh, I got him down on the ropes. He's going down. He's going to be destroyed. All of a sudden, out of nowhere. It's like all of that is how life is now. It's just a giant ridiculous Yeah, thing. somehow life has jumped the shark, and it's very strange. Yeah. So parodies like this are are important for us to just, like, let loose. And so many jokes are in it that you can go back and watch it over and over again. I'm not sure you want to necessarily with all of these. But definitely they all have something in common, which is they're worth watching once maybe that's what i think yeah totally it's a genre i miss i remember i had a friend in college that just absolutely adored these kind of movies but back in 1995 they weren't exactly the easiest to find right and just like top secret one that we really connected on and, and stuff like that and, and black we just love watching these just silly so good it, yeah it's it's kind of a relief well he was a racist i didn't know this until later he's a massive racist so i would probably never suggest black dynamite to him <laughs> oh him him 
Oh, that guy. It's like the yeah. movie was a racist. What? No. No, no, no. My roommates. It's just you didn't. It didn't dawn on me until three months in. I was like, "Ooh, I need a new roommate now." Uh, yeah. Oh well. Yep. Crack your funny bone, folks. Watch some spoofs. I know we talked your ear off at the beginning about them, so maybe figure out what you want to watch. Hopefully, these four, maybe three of them at least. Yeah. This is a lot of fun to talk about. And the only problem is it's hard to talk about comedy because you're always talking about moments in it. That, like, you remember, you know, you commented on this. Yeah. Like, you remember that time when, <laughs> but you have no visual reference. This is an audio thing. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to do comedies. Yep. Okay. I think we're done. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Catch you later, everybody. How silly can I get? Ooh, yeah. Stop singing, Michael. Deja vu? Video night. Screw you, buddy. I quit.